0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com recommend today. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring, boring, boring.
2: You're get bored by Hey, one thing
3: the game needs is more people like you. You, you. You still have pro man run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. This is Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. It's Derek he. lamakia This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball, is Baseball Baseball. isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball
0: Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. Oh, Here at the center field, gates of Airs is
2: Marcano clears the deck Oh, the big swing His first career grand slam Gives the Pirates a 6-1 one lead One Capita, two Capita, three Capita, four And there's no way you can deny it Two Capita Two Capita, Marcano What is better than that? When it comes to launching a week, congratulations to Greg Brown and Bob Walk for winning the home run call of the day on the Baseball Isn't Boring podcast, and the congratulations to Pita Meccano for hitting the Grand Slam that got them that call, and I could say that all day. I could do every home run call, shoot... Include Pita Makano. I think that should be a, a law in the world of broadcasting. It is a law in the world of baseball that it isn't boring. And that's why we have this podcast. That's why we have this message. Thank you, FanDuel, for all your support of helping power us through the season and beyond. It's been a great couple of days. It's been a great day. It's been going to be a great week. And it's not just because of Tuco. Peter Meccano. Nope. Not only because of him, but because of a lot of things that's going on. And part of it was how we launched this week with a podcast. How we launched this week with a podcast was having Ken Lee Jansen, Josh Hader, Hugh Darvish, Joe Kelly, all appeared on Monday's podcast. And Kenley with very pointed comments about how baseball has a, potentially has a problem when it comes to the new rules, the pitch clock, how this is going, may manifest itself in terms of injuries, um, discomfort when it comes to late in games, and Josh Hader also gave his perspective of closing in this day and age of baseball with a pitch clock, but Kenley, you got to go back and listen to this. I thought it was very, very good conversation and good points by him and points that are being made throughout clubhouses in baseball. There is a lot of buzz about how injuries might be piling up when it comes to the the breakneck speed of baseball. Also, speaking of how things are piling up, videos are piling up on Pinching Ninja's social accounts because of all the wacky deliveries, all the unique timing mechanisms. We've seen it from our guy, Joe Kelly, we have seen that for years from the guy that is on the podcast, you Darvish. So that's why we talked to those two guys. The bobbin' and weaving and timing and all of it, because of the pitch clock, because people are getting more creative, it deserved a quick Baseball Isn't Boring on the Go podcast, that's what I give you. You can go check that out as well. Speaking of Joe Kelly, all right, everyone get on board, get on the bandwagon. Let's get him to Seattle. We need to sign some books in Seattle. All-Star Game, a damn near perfect game. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for subscribing, buying the book, a damn near perfect game, buying the T-shirts and the hoodies, swing juice, thank you, at BB isn't boring to find the link to swing juice, to the T-shirts, to the hoodies, all the gear. And just to also go to the socials, producer Evan, absolutely dominating things on the app, BB socials. All right, well, enough of that. Now it's time to take the step forward into the week, and how we're doing that was another great podcast, and it is with a guy who has been on the podcast before and is always fantastic, and that's Daniel Bard. Daniel Bard, Colorado Rockies reliever. You know him as the guy who was dominant for the Red Sox way back when, as a reliever, then got the yips. Retired at one point, came back, was one of the few, very few, if not only documented cases of a guy coming back from the Yips. Comes back, pitches for the Rockies, saves 20 games in 2021, saves 34 games last year, 179 ERA last year, gets the invitation to the WBC World Baseball Classic. We're so happy for him. We do the podcast with him. He's so excited. And then the sad trombone, he, he has the Yips again. In, on the stage, on the biggest stage of the World Baseball Classic, on the biggest stage of the offseason, on the biggest stage of international baseball in some time, it reared its ugly head once again, and he knew it right away, as he talks about on this podcast. So, could he come back from this? The, everyone's heart just dropped. Was this going to be the end of the story? A great story was going to have a terrible finish? Well, sure enough, he figured out a way once again, because he's back to the Rockies. Came back mid-April, he has a 0082 8 2 ERA in 11 games, doing very, very well. And just, I mean, the fact that he came back once, now he's come back again, and he gives the lessons that we should learn in life, forget about baseball, in life about perseverance. That's why we wanted to have him on, because he's informative, he's educational, and he's inspiring. The big three when it comes to this podcast. And Daniel Bard never disappoints. All right. Well, enough of me talking. Here you go. Here's me talking, but more importantly, me talking with Daniel Bard. All right. Daniel Bard saw his good friend Andrew Miller come on the podcast, so he said, I have to be on the podcast again. I cannot. I, for a, for a 50th time. Um, still no T-shirt, right, Dan?
3: I haven't seen a T-shirt yet, no.
2: I haven't sent you a t-shirt, but now I have them and now I have the, the Colorado Rockies colors. That's what I was waiting for. So yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Baseball isn't boring. Um, yeah. So we'll send you that along with, uh, with a a copy of the book, uh, damn near perfect game written by a fellow relief pitcher. So yeah. So there you go. Uh, first of all, how are you doing? Well, doing well, just hanging out in Dallas, uh,
3: getting ready to play game two against the Rangers. And, uh, yeah,
2: just doing it. You and I have something in common. We were both in sports illustrated recently. <laughs> yeah. What was your, what was your contribution? It was for, it was for the, uh, for our book. They were, they said, read the oh, book. Nice. near perfect game. Yes. And I did not realize that sports illustrated now costs almost $10. That's that was my takeaway. I thought it was just a website. <laughs> To be honest,
3: no offense to Sports Illustrated, I just figured everything had kind of moved online. No, I, I'm I'm kind of with you. Uh, you on the cover, right? You tell me. I haven't seen it, so I mean, I, I saw the article, but I didn't see.
2: Oh, I think I haven't on, seen a hard copy. You and L. McPherson, and I'm dating myself. <laughs> there you <Yes>. go. <laughs> um, so how how you doing? How's everything going? I mean, this has obviously been. A crazy few months for you. It's always good catching up to you. You're in the our podcast. I am inducting you in our, our second podcast hall of fame right now. Uh, congratulations! Uh, I appreciate you know, that. You're, on, you're, it's, it's. If I have another podcast, you'll be in that hall of fame as well. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but it's to look back to sort of just in the last three months. It's sort of nuts. I think when you came on the podcast. Maybe it was in it must have been January because you were talking about getting we were talking about getting ready for the WBC and um and all the like the sort of things that we didn't know what to expect of all that stuff. But it's been a nutty three months to look back at it. Or do you even look back? I mean, are you just a like I'm looking forward guy? Uh,
3: little of both. I I, I try to spend most of my energy um focusing on what I got to do today you know, today, maybe tomorrow, Uh, my wife gets mad at me because I don't know who we're playing next week or she's like, you didn't know you had an off day Thursday? I'm like, it's like four days away. Like, how am I supposed to know that? Um, So I I mostly try to stay with focused on today. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I think it's good to look, take take a little time to look back, look forward, but then always kind of refocus back to the the present.
2: I think that one of the things that, you know, we, we like to do, you know, when we started the whole baseballs and boring thing, you know, one of the great things is that what I've learned is that baseball like is, is so impactful in so many different facets of life. And one of the things that I came across doing the book and just doing this podcast was that there's no other sport. And you correct me if I'm wrong or that, that challenges the resilience of somebody like in, in, you know, because, when you're in a baseball field, you are never more alone. You have you you either you, you success, succeed or you fail in front of everybody, and you also like you you basically have to bounce back and in front of everybody and do it again. And in life, like that is the ultimate sign of, resi- of are you resilient or aren't you? And I know I'm getting very deep here, but I'm used to it. Don't worry. No, <laughs> no, no. But I, I'm I'm sorry, but you know, like I'm just. I was thinking to talk with you and like I, I honestly going through the last year myself looking at baseball, people kept bringing this up and I'm like, all right, well, here's a good example of it. Congratulations. Yes. You're resilient. <laughs> I mean.
3: Yeah, it definitely, I mean, I think the the daily nature of it, you know, it's 162 in about, about 180 days. Um, there's no other sport like that. Um, it it kind of turns into Groundhog Day a little bit, but I think like, I honestly think the best guys in this game kind of enjoy the, the repetitive nature of it. Um, you know, as, as as tough as it is to have a bad game and have to come back the next day. It's kind of nice to like not have to sit on it for a week or even a few days, you know, it's just like, get back out there, you get another chance. Um, so I think some guys actually you know like that part. That's what I like about about relieving. Is if it doesn't go great, you're probably back in there within you know a couple of days um, to kind of bounce back. And um, so yeah, I mean it definitely challenges you for sure. Uh, but, but like you said, you said being alone, I, I think um, being part of a team, yeah, know, it, it definitely has like a positive effect on that. And for me. What I went through the last couple months, that was, you know, I leaned on my teammates a lot, and just, just being around them every day, despite what I was dealing with, um, was huge, you know, they were super supportive, and, you know, I, once I started feeling a little a little better on the mound and stuff, you know, I just wanted to get out there and contribute and be a part of those those games, and just, you know, we weren't playing that great at the time, but it's like, I just want to be a part, like, I feel like I, I need to pull my weight, and you want to pull your weight, and... For me, I think when I can stay focused on the 25 other guys in the room with me and, like, just play hard for them and, you know, we all see the work that each other puts in every day, whether that's prepping in the weight room, whether that's getting treatment in the training room, whether that's, you know, sitting at your locker with headphones on, trying to get locked in, you know, all the different things guys do. We see that from our teammates. So when a guy goes out there and doesn't perform – on a given night or a stretch, a week, a month, or whatever, we see how hard that guy's working behind the scenes. You know, we see we see how much that guy cares, um, which makes you have all the respect for him. Um, so that's kind of what I try to stay focused on is, you know, rather than what is the whole world looking at or what are they thinking, just I, I look at my family and my teammates, and those are the people who see me every day. Um, yeah, what kind of effect am I having on those people? I think that's kind of where, where I try to focus.
2: Besides me saying you're in the Hall of Fame, what's the most impactful thing that someone said to you um, since the WBC?
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.
1: Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest.
2: Oops. Because every once, uh, a, every once in a while, and, you know, maybe that's it's too broad a question. But I know for me, I've had incidents in my life where I'm like, you know, somebody said something, and I'm like, oh man, that hit. That just hit. You know?
3: Yeah. I, I, probably my wife. Um, you know, we've we've had a lot of conversations about this stuff the past two months, but. I think her probably saying, you know, hey, who cares how it went? It was an awesome experience for our family. Um, I got to bring my kids to Arizona and to Miami. Um, they got decked out in USA gear. They learned a bunch of players. They've learned who Mike Trout is, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, you know, they're, it basically, like, kind of sparked a little bit of their, their love for baseball, I think. You know, um, Rockies games are cool. But the WBC games were way cooler, so um, I look back at it as, as a really cool uh, experience for my, my kids, my family. I still had a, a great experience, man, getting to know all the guys on the team, um, just being able to put on the uniform with you know probably six or seven Hall of Famers on that team. I would I would guess uh, is something I'll I'll definitely I'll. I'll Definitely get that jersey framed at some point because I think it's going to, you know, I think it's, it was a cool experience and I think, I, you know, it's kind of a, say a turning point, but just, you know, it's a, it was a big moment. It doesn't have to be a, something that went perfectly, you know, to be something you want to remember.
2: What was, give me your top three, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, top three moments. The, along the lines of where you're talking about, because I like anecdotal moments. You know, it's maybe it's meeting somebody, maybe it's you know the, something the fans did. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's watching something. I don't know. It doesn't have to be top. It could be like top one. I don't know. <laughs> top one. I mean, I think my like
3: the most like pinch myself baseball moment was when I came back after the 7 years off um that first outing which was actually here in Texas um in 2020 just like making the making a big league team after 7 years of not playing in the big leagues that's, that was pretty surreal you know um never thought it would happen in a million years first debut I, it was a cool moment but you know that's all I had been working toward my whole life. So it was like, okay, here it is. This is the moment, you know, not that I expected it, but I planned for it, you know, whereas the, the second time around, it was like, man, I can't believe I'm here. You know, I can't believe this happened. So it's probably number one for me.
2: How about, how about the, at the WBC? What was the coolest moment there? Uh When
3: Trey Turner hit. A grand Slam to get me off the hook for the game I I blew against Venezuela. That was uh that was unbelievable. Um, I've never had such a like swing of emotions from a baseball game in my life. Um, I pitched terrible and we're down three or four and two two or three innings later he hits the uh the Grand Slam and I was in the clubhouse at the time. Uh, licking my wounds, and there was a couple other relievers in there too, and that there was maybe six of us in there, and that place just erupted. Uh, you could feel the stadium
2: shaking above us. Really?
3: Above us. Oh, oh yeah. man, so it was it was wild.
2: That's awesome. You know, you talked about the great thing about having baseball every day or almost every day. Did you feel like if you after you had that rough outing? was it one of these things where like it just clicks right in, I want to do this again, or was it okay, I need to regroup. What was that feeling like you talking about in the in the WBC? In the WBC, yeah.
3: Um you know, I knew that I was I was off enough that I probably needed some time to get right. Um and that was probably a hard thing to admit to myself even. Um just cuz the nature the competitive nature in me wants to get right back out there and and work at it and do it again. Um, but in that case, I think it was something where I recognized I'm a little bit off and, uh, and, you know, eventually I realized it was affecting me off the field a little bit too. Um, just not being able to, to turn the page and move on. Um, so that's when I realized that some time off was probably the best thing.
2: Is it is it am I being simplistic and thinking saying, you know, you you had this great story, and you did, like you said you come back in Texas and you have that moment and you have that run and you 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 make you you have all the success and then you have what happened to WBC, like looking back at it and now you're good, looking back at it all, do you say hey listen I didn't know that there was, was going to be this second wave I didn't know that I'm going to have this other obstacle but this is all part of the process too. You know, am I being like too idealistic with this? No, I mean absolutely. I'm I'm uh
3: just I guess the way my career and my, my life's played out. You know, I'm a big believer that everybody's story's a little bit different, everybody's journey's not the same, it's not it's not always a straight line. Um and I think this is just, you know yeah, when you go through hard things, whatever they are in life, you know, it's you never, you never say when you're in the midst of it, you're never like, Oh, I would choose this hard thing to add to my life because it's going to make me stronger, better in the end. No one chooses hard things. You know, they get thrown at you when you least expect it. And, um, you know, I think with for me with this, it was just, uh, Hey, hey you know, we're, we're dealing with something and, uh, you know, I felt more prepared to deal with it this time around for sure. felt like I had, uh, better tools, you know, that I had developed already. And then also just the world's way more accepting and this kind of stuff. And, um, I had an organization behind me that fully supported me and said, Hey man, whatever, whatever you need, like we're here, we're here for you. And, uh, take the time and, and get right, get back to feeling like yourself. And um, all that means a lot. And uh, so I just use all those, all the resources I could.
2: The last thing I'll say about this is that I'll come back to what I said at the beginning, which is, you know, I think baseball touches a lot of people in a lot of ways. And, and I think I'll say it again, the resilience in your story is touches a lot of people. I was uh, after the game last night, we we're covering the game in, in, um, where am I? San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm having some beers with a guy named Julian McWilliams, who is a, a sports writer for the Boston Globe. And he played college baseball. And his career ended because he got the yips. And I pulled out the article in the Sports Illustrated of you. And the impact that, like, him reading that, Had on him, like, was like, it was a very, very real thing. And that's just one example at two o'clock in the morning, you know, a couple sports writers. But he's like, I did that. I did that. I did that. I did this and I did that. And, but the lesson and the hope that you gave people, or I mean, I don't know if this hits home for you. I know, like you said, you're living day to day, but I just want to let you know, like, this. Your story is meaningful for a lot of people, and I mean that. I so,
3: appreciate. It. Yeah, yeah, I've gotten a lot of good good feedback from people. Um, as stuff has come out, and there's a couple more. I think like national articles being written this week or sometime soon. So it's you know it's not necessarily what you want to be. <laughs> it's what you like, I said, it's not what you choose to. Um, be written article, have written articles written about, about you. But once it happens and you kind of thrust into that, it's might as well embrace it and and use what you can use your story to try to help a few people.
2: Daniel, the the article isn't being written. You know, there's a percentage of the article being written because of that, but it's being written because you're good. (laughs) I mean, you're good. You're a good pitcher. So there you go. Um, congratulations on being a good pitcher. Um, Thanks, man.
0: Appreciate
2: that. <laughs> so, you know, I want to talk about something baseball. So I was watching, you're going to have to bear with me for a second. I was watching Major League, the movie, the Major League, the other day. And, Ricky, you've seen the movie Major League? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So so uh, you do. So, I was actually, this was for a podcast where I picked it apart. A little too campy for me. But uh, but Ricky Vaughn was doing his tryout. Wild thing was doing his tra- tryout, and he throws a ball and it goes through whatever the backstop. And they have the radar gun, and they're "What do we get on the gun?" Like ninety six. I'm like ninety six. Like and, and this is and this is I I always think of like how, what a, what an event it was back when I covered you with the Red Sox because you threw ninety nine right what a, oh my goodness everyone look at the radar gun and then a couple of years later it was Alan Webster in spring training oh my goodness he's throwing ninety-nine. Yeah. it's kind of like in this is another testament to how you have evolved as a pitcher isn't it crazy to think about how nobody did what you did and now now what like 50% of the people do
3: it's it's really wild what's happened yeah I I was talking to a teammate recently and I was telling them how when I came into the league, um, my fastball was like eight miles an hour above the average fastball, and now it's like three and a half. <laughs> and I well, this year my VLO has been down a bit, but last year I was averaging ninety-eight still. And I think the average fastball is like ninety-four and a half, and the average. Uh, right-handed reliever fastball is over 95. Wow. So 98, you know, is not – you just don't have that separate. I mean, I used to be able to throw all fastballs to probably five or six guys in the lineup, you know, when I was first coming up, just because they didn't see my below, that kind of below. And now it's like (coughs) – they set that uh what do they call it the speedball machine? You yeah, know, they set the the velo machine they set that thing up to a hundred and five and then they come and face me and then the ninety the eight seven, whatever looks like batting practice. <laughs> so you better have something else you know to pair it with or you better be moving one way or the other
2: so so what do you do? what was the, what was your pitching evolution and this is we we love talking about you know, inventing pitches and, and, you know, everyone like wants to talk about sweeper and everyone wants to talk about, um, you know, we, we, I saw Joe, Joe Kelly, you know, do a million different, we just had him on the podcast two days ago and he's talking about, yeah, yeah, so he's, he's like, the more they chirp, the more I wanted to do it, do like the, like, but you watch how pitching ninja like put that together and watch the hitters like, it's like now you understand. I, I can't throw a hundred mile an hour on one on one leg or a ninety five mile an hour curveball on one leg, right? Which is what he's doing. He's holding it, but yeah. the, but he's what he's doing is he's figuring things out. What are some of the things that you figured out during your running success?
3: Uh, well, that's that's one of them. Um, mixing the delivery up—that's something I started all the way back to 2020 when I first came back, um, mixed in the, the hand, leg. hang I don't go quite as crazy as I've seen what Joe's doing and what Nestor does, but definitely like a double pump kind of thing. You know, almost like Darvish does on his regular one. I'll mix that in. I'll mix in the slide steps. Um, just different things like that. Cause you can basically take the same pitch, turn it into two different pitches by just changing the timing of your delivery. Um, and same thing. I like just what Joe said, like you, you'll do a slide step and the guy doesn't even take the bat off his shoulder and you steal a strike and he starts shaking his head and you're like, well, you know what you're getting again? (laughs) Um, you know, they just, I don't think hitters realize how much they tell you with their reactions and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I try to do all that stuff. I, I'm trying to work that back in right now. You know, as I'm like getting getting feel back and things like that. Um, yeah, and for me, I, you know, it's spent a lot of time in the off season on like TrackMan and all those devices we have now, and just trying to hone in on uh, the best version of your fastball, your slider. Um, for me, last year it was throwing the sinker more. Uh, was a big big key to my success uh, getting away from so many four seamers.
2: So, what, what pitch what pitch do you like watching, or what pitcher do you like watching the most? What pitcher? Are you are you, are you a big pitching ninja guy? I Man, are you a guy that goes like likes like holy crap, how did that happen? Oh
3: yeah, I do. I I I started following him a long time ago, and um, he sent me some t shirts, which is cool. He's got a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I just like the idea of like a media. I don't know if you can even call it media. I guess it is YouTube, but uh, a media outlet that focuses on, you know, how nasty pitchers have become, you know, across the league. And I, you know, I always just like, I'll see somebody throw a sinker that moves 20 inches and I'm like trying to, you know, I'm Googling picture, trying to find if I can find a picture with his grip to see what, how he did it. Um, things like that are, you know, the sweepers are fun to watch. The, yeah, there's some nasty splitters right now in the game. Watching Gossman's splitter, Batista's splitter. I don't have one of those, but I still like watching them. Um, but yeah, I think the the high velos sinkers are, are fun for me to watch. You know? Yeah. Um, just because that's kind of when I'm at my best, that's what I feel like I'm doing well, but like watching other guys do
2: it as well. Well, you, listen, you earned a couple Hall of Fames. You're doing well. Um, you you have uh, the promise of T-shirts coming your way. I, and when you said Pitching just send you T-shirts, like, uh, is that, I don't know if that was a purpose per- purposeful dig, but it no, worked. I mean, uh, <laughs> you can take it however you want. Hold on. Look at this. There. I put this in the mail today. That's pirate spellers. I don't want oh. that. Oh. Hold on.
3: <laughs> there. Okay. There you go. Do it. There you go. Address
2: okay. is on online. Of course field. You got it. <laughs> I, I got it. Well, thank you as always. Um, always good catching up with you. And just remember us when you're
0: all in all those national outlets. Just remember who put you in the Hall of Fame.
3: Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it, man.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.